Um, you know, Krishnamurti said once in, in his diaries and recordings that it, it is no sign of a healthy mind to adapt to a society that is profoundly sick. So I think, first of all, as a reference, somebody that is mentally ill is always determined by what is the standard that we're living now. Because you get people uh, queuing in line to get treated with the genetic therapy that was what happened in 2020, even early, uh, late 2019. Mm. And that is sanity. Welcome, this is Mind the Shift and I am Anders. I'm sitting here at a cafe in, uh, in Barcelona, Catalonia, Spain. Perfect. With, yeah, with Alex Sanfiz. Yeah. Sanfiz or Sanfiz? Sanfiz. Okay. The, the Z is hard in Spanish. Yeah, Sanfiz. It's and this good. is your hometown? Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you, Anders. And you have written a truly mesmerizing, fascinating uh, and uh, very original book, and I would assume that some people would even call it a bit scary. Uh, it's life a book scary. about life is scary. Yeah, it's basically about the human predicament, uh, and it's called the spider web. It's it basically explains the 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 underlying reality of of life here in this three dimensional world, and the basic tenet is that we're living in a simulation or a simulacrum run by what you describe as, as, as a computer program. So tell me, how did you come to these conclusions and, and why did you decide to write this book? Well, as I told you before, the, uh, the nature of this book is quite uh, distinct in the sense that it comes from different sources. On the one hand, you know, this came as a way to expose anxiety and how the mind can weave until you know, this program cannot be stopped. And so people will build this self-reliable system and find a way out of it. And so because the mind works this way and because I can prove how anxiety works and how it creates so much noise by computation and mathematics, then I had to touch on the subject that we are living in a simulated entropy and so that what this is, is nothing but binary strings of information and then decoded in a different way, giving us different perspectives and translated into our different particular stories of what we're, we are experiencing is. But I had to touch the source. I had to touch where it comes from and how all these patterns and numbers, they come from basically something that is emulating a computer program. Okay. But did you have any personal experience early in life that made you come to these conclusions or what, 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 what yeah. started this, these thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think um, the difference maybe sometimes from certain people to others is how much they question what they're experiencing. And that happens to me from an early age. When I was supposed to be playing, you know, in the playground, I couldn't because there was something in me that told me that there's something not quite right. There's something that must be put under the scope mm. and analyzed because 
otherwise if I just you know let go and do things normally or naturally then maybe I find a way out of it after so in a way there was a there was a way to advise or to say that what we are experiencing is not quite there is it's not reality yeah yeah and so it started from an early age and so I I started to analyze and then whenever I got um, let's say something that was not right then analyze it further and so it keeps going yeah okay um, I we spoke before the interview a little bit about what that might have uh, been uh, evidence of and you told me that some people have said that you might have what what you experienced then when you were a kid might have been memories or some kind of an yeah. unconscious remembrance of where you were before you were born into this body is that something that you also contemplate well, not really it's not something that um, had anything to do with anything I was working on or doing because that that is way surpasses what maybe I am ready to understand at the moment it is possible but I think I use those things as a tool uh, rather than you know getting lost in whatever those past memories are I mm. think if uh, that is stored in the memory mm. it is for me to use mm. but if I analyze it too much, maybe I, I, I sidetrack something that I must not do at this at this very mm. same moment. So it could be, uh, there's a lot of reasons for a lot of things, mm. maybe more than we are ready to understand. But um, I, I rather give it another explanation that, you know, as I said, not getting lost in whatever past mm. lives or may have been, but use the, that information to solve whatever it is that is happening in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you say this, where we are, what we're in, hmm. what do you refer to? The, the physical reality around us or our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, everything, everything we experience? Or what are you referring to as this uh, computer program that, that, that is running us, so to speak? When I said this? Yeah, this. What I mean, where what, we are what, at. Yeah. what we are in now, hmm. what we're experiencing and... Um, Maybe we're living it as a memory, but you know what you know that is happening at this very same moment. Mm. What you're conscious of, if you can be conscious of it. Mm. Um, so how can we? I mean, this is fascinating stuff, and some people would think it's a bit scary. I, I just think it's fascinating because I've been contemplating these things a lot, of course, uh, and many other people and, and philosophers and thinkers and. Uh, and so on have been speaking about us living in a simulation they, mm. they, they might phrase it in different ways but how, ca how can we realize if we want to if we have this inkling as you were talking about her like you had when you were a kid this inkling that there is something off there's something not really right with this word how can we realize that we are trapped in a simulacrum what is the way to go about that well maybe we can't in maybe the sense that I am. Um, I think that when you try to do something, um, when you try to give instructions, it doesn't really work. It comes from within. It must be some inner voice or a guidance that can tell you something. You know, as Jung said, you know, whoever looks outside dreams. So, 
I think that there's not something that I can say that we must do or that must happen because that is something that I believe that is activated by by higher power. Okay. Yeah. So what is trapped then? If you say that we are trapped in a simulation, what is trapped? Is it our souls or how would you define that? That's 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 a very good word he used and, and and very accurate in the sense that our souls are trapped by design because we didn't create anything uh, that we experience once we log in here or however you want to call it. Mm. So in that way, if you want to get ethereal, then our souls it is. I would want to say that it is our consciousness that mm. got so lost here mm. that one finds no way out before it is too late and then two confuses the simulacra with reality confuses a set of symbols and rules and you know everything we have created for you know the real thing and what is the real thing well when i say the real thing maybe i don't have a reference to it but what i mean is that what is beyond what is beyond consciousness may be the real thing uh, you know, above any symbol, uh, above any any meaningless creation mm. of the human mind, mm. whatever is above the creation of the mind, that is the real thing for me. Whatever okay. surpasses the mind. Do you have any ideas uh, about as to where, um, when this simulation? <clears throat> Uh, emerged when it started when it started it, yeah and why well I think if, if time is relevant maybe time isn't relevant even yeah I know I know what you mean by time but as you said you know everything happens at this very same moment so might as well start it now yeah you know what I mean? I, I know. It may, it may have started... Far out, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it may have started as we speak. Maybe it started before we sat down here. It always, you know, people are designed to separate whatever they experience, you know, according to, you know, past, present, future, this this three ways. And they, they think that, oh, if I am present, I always stay here. And so the past is behind me. You know, this expression like, oh, leave the past behind you. Yeah, yeah. That is as absurd as it goes because mm -hmm. it is happening now. I am the past. You know, I am experiencing that. And so that, that, is, that is very, very ambiguous and absurd. I think for anybody with, with a bit of common sense, it might be absurd. I know that is how people speak, but I don't know why it started. But I could say that. Now, if you ask me why it started, then we get into a very complicated territory because we can address this as, a, as human farming in the sense that we are exploited for our energy because we as humans, or whatever word you want, you want to use, we always direct our attention out, outside of ourselves. We are empowering a system that is set up to enslave mm. and to control um, through many things, you know. The ego, it may be the, the biggest layer, but you got nationality, you got the language you speak, where you work, who you talk to, you know, what you identify as, you know, what you choose to be and mm. all that. Mm. And so that is set up to enslave. 
And so, because that creates a lot of pain and a lot of suffering constantly, then I believe that can be the function of this program to control and harvest the energy that it that it is spent in this in this program. Mm. And in that way, uh, every suffering and and how everything is designed will always empower the AI. Will always empower, let's say, the uh, number crunchers, mm. which I call the the machines that are, or let's say, not even machines, perhaps, but not Ent- entities. Not entities, yeah. That that they they manipulate and control whatever it is inside their creation. And so that may be one way to address it. And there's other ways to address it that why it started. It could be that the way consciousness was functioning and working was not sustainable anymore. And so it created another version of itself in order to express or, let's say, regulate itself better. Mm. Um, Because this is very limited, right? Everything we're experiencing. So perhaps it's a way to contain it. But that is, that would be very crazy to think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind right now is um, the Gnostics and the, the Gnostic way of, uh, of yeah. saying the creation and, and life. You know, Sophia created the earth and in, in that process, mm. she also accidentally, <laughs> whatever, created the archons that are the, the these, archons, these yeah. entities that want to control people's minds. And that's the reason why we have all these wars and all these conflicts and all that. I, I don't know much about it, but I, I just spoke to uh, a few weeks ago um, John Lamb Lash, who is an expert on, on, um, on the Gnostics. So I, I don't know. Have you, have you thought about the Gnostics? No, I, I have. I've read a bit of Monroe's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, one of his books is called Experiences Out of the Body. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very unique, you know, also linguistically the word he used. This word calls my attention a lot. Maybe you know which one I'm going to use. Oh. The word lush. Have you heard about it? No. It's L-O-O-S-H. Okay. Lush. And it just sounds as it feels, that yeah, word. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, and the lush, you know, according to Monroe, is the, the extraction of our energy so, or our energy that it is to be extracted. And it makes so much sense if we can consider how much people suffer and then don't take anything out of it. So who's taking something out of it? Mm. And so I've read a little bit about that. And But but it's always a container, you see. As you mentioned, the Sophia created the earth. It's mm. always sphere, something where something is contained, mm. right? Mm. That is also limiting. Yeah. Uh, the map of the Scandinavians, uh, they drew about, you know, Midgard, Asgard, and then Jotunheim, and then uh, the Helheim and all these places, I think it's also contained in some kind of oval or mm. sphere. Yeah. So this container, it's uh, those references are everywhere. You know, I think what they're trying to tell us, be it agnostic or be it a Scandinavian mm. Nord- Nordic uh, mythology. Yeah. yeah, I was going to use the the, the Nornir, the, the the wise old ladies from from Scandinavia. I think they knew. So I think that the further we go back, you know, losing ourselves in time or whatever, 
the more aware were they of how this was simulated, was not the real thing, was a, a shadow of. Yeah. And so people take the shadow for the light. I think that's the biggest mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of, uh, it, it resonates because it sounds, you, you describe it in a different way perhaps than many others have, but as you, I, I think you're right that if you go back, very long back in time here, although time doesn't exist, <laughs> we, you realize that people or the thinkers, they, they knew that what was going on actually. We also had the hermeticism, uh, the wisdom of thought, uh, mm. and, and uh, yeah. the Sumerian tablets and all that. And I think that what's... Trismegistus, yeah. Hermes Trismegistus, yeah, who is called Thoth, I think, in the Egyptian mm. uh, tradition. Uh, same, same entity. Whatever that was, if it was a physical entity or not, yeah. I, I, who knows? It's when when you give some kind of wisdom that surpasses what uh, what that level of consciousness is ready to receive, mm. there'll always be a myth and uh, you know an allegory of something, mm. be it in an animal or a god or some creation that surpasses our design, because perhaps from the source where that that truth came from yeah. and maybe that is the source manifesting mm. that I'm not a mere human being I am something more yeah despite I'm expressing as a human being so that may be why is it is portrayed that way some kind of yeah. that bird right with yeah. the long it exactly. looks like a hummingbird mm -hmm. almost yeah maybe but if you what I'm mentioning if you consider all of this knowledge I mean, who thinks like that anymore? Like Trismegistus. We have no Trismegistus. We don't have it, an entity like that now. Or maybe it, it's a collective effort. It is. In, in our time. It because, is. Because uh, millions of people are kind of waking up and, and realizing that something is off. Something's not. That is very true what you're so saying. Uh, it yeah. is very hard to be the highest version of yourself if everybody else is behaving in such a low manner and low level. It just, or maybe it's easier, you know, because. It's like at that movie, that, you know, idiocracy where they would like put this guy, which is an, an average IQ, average intelligence, they would put him in a capsule and then from the army or whatever. And then I think the capsule breaks or something and he travels way past the, the scheduled time. Yeah. And when he wakes up, everybody's so dumb that he is practically genius. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, it, it's yeah. very interesting. He's yeah. practically genius. And... Yeah, I think that is more or less what is happening. The mind is dumbing down a lot. Mm -hmm. We are giving away all of our power to all of this structure, you know, to technology, pharmaceutics, all of these people mm. would just throw it away. Mm. When now you're a kid, you have a screen in front of you. They put screens in front of babies. Mm. So what are they experiencing exactly? I mean, in the future, that is going to be attached to their eyes, you know. They're basically, you know, come here, and then they're just going to strap them. Uh, virtual goggles. Transhumanism. So, I mean, I'm not sure about it, but I think that already happened a long time ago. And so now you get, of course, you get babies watching this. So, like, this is what, what is going to be stored in their memory. So it's like another layer even. Yeah. So now they added another shadow play. Mm. So it's like, 
if Plato's cave had, you know, another another step down. And so, you know, consciousness keeps spiraling down and down and down. And so sometimes when there's a public figure that is very important or that is saying things that are very considerable is that sometimes it's not that the contents of such message are high. It's that consciousness spiraled down and sunk down so low that now even the slightest flint of light can shine and enlighten the whole room. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fascinating. I mean, like you say, famous people, politicians, they can say very trivial things and people are like, whoa, he's so that's wise. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. that's something that always blew me, yeah. blew my mind. But, yeah, let, I, I want to come back to the Let's go back, yeah. questions about what's happening right now. But anyway... Um, I think we, you, you were touching on the issue of, you didn't say it yourself, but you were touching on the, the issue of uh, purpose here. Because if we have this simulacrum and it's being renewed con continuously, mm, yeah. new layers and things like that. New layers. It's, it's this box, it's this oval that the ancients knew was uh, what we were trapped in. <clears throat> what is the purpose? I mean, is it, is, I mean, some people describe this planet, this earth, this world as a school of sorts that we our souls come here to learn, to grow and to experience pain and suffering in order to grow. Uh, I mean, for the ultimate purpose being, I don't know what, to, to, to go back to source or anything, but is mm. there a purpose? Have you, have you, have you got any ideas on, on that? I don't think that's it. Yeah, you don't? Okay. I don't think that's it. Mm. I don't think that this is a school, honestly. And I can explain you why in the sense that I believe that it's just the program that the human mind has to justify pain and suffering needlessly. So that, you know, you can say like, oh, well, I suffered a lot, but you know, the things I've learned. So like you're giving, how can I say, you're justifying your pain. So if you justify your pain and suffering, the mind always finds the mind, it's very complex, but I promise you that by competition, sometimes it's so simple. And it's like, it's like laboratory rats sometimes. So if you teach the mind that with pain comes reward, you guess what you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to suffer yeah. like crazy. And, not, and, that's, and here's when I want to draw a certain line because it is not that you suffer because you need to suffer or because that's how things are designed by God, a higher power. But because you selfishly now want to suffer because you want that reward and because it felt great. It's just like it works when you eat, you know? Uh, you know, it's dopamine. It's like, oh, I eat, I feel good. Mm. I must suffer today because yesterday I suffered and man, the things I've learned. Mm. So if I could have just a little bit of suffering today, maybe a little discussion, something. Mm. Mm. So I think that uh, this new age sort of line of thinking that this is a school, I think that's, that's, that's Lush factory. Yeah. I think that that is Lush, um, how can I say, Disneyland. Yeah. That is just perfect. You know, because... I'm gonna I'm gonna keep suffering. Then you, I, then you can justify anything, really. You yeah. can justify anything, yeah. and whatever happens to you, no matter how shitty it is, mm -hmm. no matter how horrible it is, 
then you got the, the good side of it. But what is it then? Is it a mistake, the whole scheme here? I believe there's no mistakes. No. Uh, I believe there's no mistakes. And that would be, that would be crazily far-fetched to think that there's a mistake because uh, one of the reasons why this is called the spider web is because when somebody didn't believe in God, I always, I always show them how a spider weaves. There's no mistake when they weave. No. And they know exactly what to do. They just know it. They just know it. They yeah. just do it. So there's no mistake because there's no... The chaos, as I said, this in the simulated entropy, the chaos is very regulated. Whoever created this, nobody can understand. Mm. And by that I'm meaning that is, that is wicked smart. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a mistake because of how everything works and how it goes. It has a very deep purpose. But the reason that people want to scratch so hard that I think they, they damaged it. And so, as I said, it, it always happens. And, you know, it's almost as absurd as trying to talk about time as time is functioning. So if we're trying to talk about this purpose right now, as our purpose is being fulfilled, we are scratching too hard. So what's your recommendation to people who, who realize that there is something not right, not quite right? What should they do? Meditate? Go inwards? Go? Uh, I shouldn't do that. See, th see through the, the, the scheme? Or? I believe they shouldn't do anything. Okay. I, I have no recommendation. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Wise, probably. You talk in the book about uh, the allowance grid. The allowance grid. The allowance grid, which sounds Correct. like, well, the grid of allowance. I, I mean, I mean, it's self-explanatory, self but yeah. w what is it and how does it work? And how should we... That's a great question. So the allowance grid is a computational model that I, that I use to explain how anxiety works. So because the mind is a generator, the mind generates noise constantly. So why noise is every possible frequency in the audible spectrum. And so our mind just decodes this noise and stores it mm -hmm. as data into mm -hmm. a program that can be built to, to perform in a system, like a Turing machine. And so the allowance grid is the way the mind works when it is anxious, or that is, it is always working. But especially when it, it is anxious, one can see that we have what is not allowed and what it is allowed in a, our allowance grid. And so everybody is run by an allowance grid. And in a way, everybody is suffering from anxiety. But people with uh, what they call now obsessive compulsive disorder, yeah. OCD. which is something that I don't like because, again, you get lost in a label and they're not really addressing what is happening. But people with uh, obsessive compulsiveness, their allowance grid is magnified extremely. So now their movements are very constricted and where the mind can go and where the body can go, even physically or mentally, is so restricted that everywhere and every direction is a no-go point. And the allowance grid is, works basically like a matrix, right? You have a square of certainty, yeah. and then you got the lines of uncertainty. 
every time you want to move from one square to the other, you're faced with uncertainty. And that happens to, you don't have anxiety, or what I mean, sorry, you don't have an, what we call an obsessive compulsive disorder. I, I don't think so, but no, everybody has a little bit of it, I guess. That's what they call it, and that's what they say, oh, I must leave this here because my obsessive compulsive disorder? Yeah. And with, which people with a real obsessive compulsive disorder, they would hate. Yeah. But this yeah. is, again, a proof that this reality by itself is obsessive compulsive. And so people with obsessive compulsive disorder, to me, in, in many degrees, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm. That's exactly how the mind is designed to work. But they're just tapping into it by awareness. Mm. And so if you meet somebody or let's say you see somebody you like in the street, you must, you must face that wall of uncertainty and you must move from one square to the other. So what happens if you're anxious? Within that square, you create another grid. And so you were in a square where you could go and move freely mm -hmm. to one direction or, or another mm -hmm. and have more space, so to say, space of mind. We can say more, more CPU storage, we yeah, can say. Yeah. But when it's magnified, now it's like you're... By self-awareness, you're terrified of even getting out of that. You're terrified first of even square. stepping forward. And if you step forward, and by awareness you you have been scared of stepping forward, then that allowance grid that has been magnified is then magnified again. It's like a fractal dimension. Mm -hmm. It never stops. And so that's why you can see fractals everywhere in nature and also in the way our computing mind works. So people with anxiety, they're they got this allowance grid. Yeah. They run by it like everybody else, but it is extremely magnified in a way that everywhere they go, small as the movement or the thought is, they will face a wall of uncertainty. And so, because of how the mind works, that grid is allowed again. Mm. It's sorry, it's expanded again, yeah. magnified yeah. again. That's why you got people with obsessive compulsiveness that cannot move. Because everywhere they, they move, there is noise. Yeah. This white and noise. There's uncertainty, which makes them, I mean, they bump into new border lines all the yeah, time. Yeah, it is magnified forever. Mm. You can see that there's nine stages of it, which I classified. Although I, I criticize myself to say that that is a very simplistic way to look at it. But there's levels to obsessive compulsiveness. But reality or the whole of humanity is living in a loop. So we, collectively, we are obsessive compulsive because people don't realize it because eventually what activates compulsive obsessiveness or obsessive compulsiveness is awareness. How aware you are of what, you, what you're doing and how that is magnified. Mm. That is basically how the allowance grid works and how this matrix can explain the processes of the mind so that people know that they are magnifying the way their allowance and not allowance works so that they can separate from it and watch it from above instead of like going down with the matrix, going down with that those magnified squares. Mm. That is what the allowance rate is, but ultimately is... Um, a functioning of the mind, a system that the mind builds where doing something is allowed and doing something is not allowed. That's why you have people living always in the same place, behaving the same ways, um, 
doing exactly the same things. Yeah, yeah. They are within an allowance grid yeah. and they don't want to move away from there because eventually what happens when you locate or dislocate a person from their state of comfort is anxiety. Yeah. They're going to be anxious. <laughs> if you put anybody here in China, they're going to have this sense of uh, being anxious. Mm. They're walking the line. They're walking right the wall of the allowance grid. Yeah. And so how you react to that will determine if you suffer from an obsessive compulsive disorder mm. or not. But a few people can break out of this allowance grid then. Few people can break out of the allowance grid because they don't know they're run by one. They don't know that the mind works exactly like a computer program. Mm. And they, they translate all these functionings, all these binary strings of mm. information into personal data. And that is translated into you know, what the ego can do, what our mind can do, and how it can be translated into our own personal stories. And so we give a meaning to everything that we're doing. Mm. If somebody has an obsessive compulsive disorder, it usually is because a story they built for themselves yeah. in many different ways. But there are those people who have been able to, to break out of the allowance grid, or is that not correct? Has, has nobody been able to do that? I believe, ever? I believe that breaking or transcending the mind yeah. or maybe completely deactivating or just leaving the mind behind as something that is only said to oppress and transcending to consciousness would mean what you're saying by going out of the allowance grid. Many people have broken out from the allowance grid. That's why we call them enlightened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was aiming for that. <laughs> I, I, I suspected that. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I suspected that, that those people were the ones that, that were able to do that. Uh, Mental illness is that a sign? If, 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 if we, it's something we that, that's a label. We mm -hmm. say that people are mentally ill when they don't behave the way we expect them to behave, and they don't react the way that we expect them to react. Are they? Do you think think that their illness, that what we call illness, is a sign that they are kind of uh, realizing what is actually going on, or is it even more of a immersion into the allowance grid or the matrix is it is it either or hmm. well what is a mental illness you know in the sense that um is somebody when you go out to the street are they completely sane or is their insanity normalized and so socially acceptable um you know krishnamurti said once in in his diaries and recordings that it, it is no sign of a healthy mind to adapt to a society that is profoundly sick. So I think, first of all, as a reference, somebody that is mentally ill is always determined by what is the standard that we're living now. Because you can have somebody in the street with the, talking to himself and just raising their fists, and they're talking by Bluetooth. They're completely sane, right? Yeah, yeah I know. But yeah. it looks like he just escaped from, a, from an asylum. Yeah. But that is sane. And then you get people, and sorry, but I must touch into this subject. You get people uh, queuing in line to get treated with the genetic therapy that was what happened in 2020, even early, uh, late to 2019. Mm. And 
that is sanity. So you get a, you get this big pharma, you get this pharmaceutics trying to sell you something that whoever uses their mind a little bit can see the agenda, can see that that is to enslave people and just hurt them physically, mentally, to alter. It's almost that as a defiance to God, to alter the, the temple that is the human body. So people not only do that, they do that voluntarily. That's why I believe it's very important to know how the mind works. If somebody can get in line for that, what is next? Mm. And those people are not locked up. Mm. I believe uh, there's a certain level of genius where mental illness, it is inescapable because you have transcended what healthy meant in a way that what health is to some, it is insanity for, for a genius, yeah. for somebody who uses their mind a lot. Mm. And so I believe mental illness, first and foremost, is an economical term to keep it spinning and also a way to never normalize people that are thinking differently in many ways. Um, of course, there, there are cases where you know, pathologies can be harmful to others. So I'm not saying at all that that is sanity, yeah. but that that term of mental illness yeah. is incredibly um, defiled. Mm. And, and many people that are really ill, they just right out the door. Yeah, we know who, who, who is defining who is mentally ill or not. And it's not the, uh, it, it's not it's the not ones, them. it's not the ones without power who have the, the possibility to define this. Right on. I guess a long time ago, and, and, and also in some um, indigenous cultures even today, people with these kinds of uh, different ways of seeing things, and uh, we talk about you know, schizophrenia and things like that. Those people, when they're, when they're young and, and, and uh, they're, the people around them see that there's something special about them, they, they are asked to become shamans, or they are taken to the shamans and right. the shamans take them to their heart and, and teach them things because they see that you, you see through the, the matrix. The veil. Yeah, you see through the veil. So you're useful. You're very yeah. wise, actually. So we should take care of you especially uh, well here because, you're, I mean, they would never talk about mental illness in that. Yeah, that, that is such a great comment because yeah. as right as you spoke, I was going to mention the shaman, which is a completely insane person, right? If you look at it, well, in in, in this context, right, right in the city, it's like yeah. let's lock him up, yeah, right. Yeah. And so you always reference to other people who talked about it. We're repeating the cycle. Plato wrote the allegory of the cave. If someone was to go out of the cave mm -hmm. and explain to the ones that are in the shadows everything that is going on, mm. they will completely kill that guy. Mm. They will kill him right on the spot. Yeah, they're not ready to. To accept that and so when you also before we talked about if there's any mistake because I believe there's no mistake I believe every mental illness so to speak there's something going on behind so many layers that wants to speak and so this society doesn't let it yeah. and because it doesn't let it and ostracize these people that believe they're mentally ill, the illness spirals down, and now it transforms into a real illness, mm. but that has been created by society. Yeah. It started out perhaps as another way to express maybe a different message, mm. 
And because nobody understood that, because they were not ready, illness was created. A real illness that communicated with itself. But it didn't start that way. You mentioned the shaman. They have a gift. I believe somebody with schizophrenia, they have a gift. They have a special gift that is not meant to be related to somebody that is waiting in line for the next uh, frappe or whatever, uh, smoothie or whatever. It is or not... jab. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> even that. Yeah. Sorry. No, it scared me when you mentioned, you know, just like mm. even thinking about it. But yeah. even that, you know. So to me, they're the ill ones, you know. But because they cannot translate how the mind is working of this person with a certain... Or more so, I would say, how the consciousness is manifesting and the mind is sleeping. Mm. Because the mind is so squared, like, you know, it's, it's number, it's competition, everything is stored logically. And when you get out of that and consciousness can express in many different ways, then you're looked as an insane person. Yeah. But because you're not ready to interpret what is going on. Yeah. One of Jung's uh, visitors or Jung's patients uh, he said to him, there was a girl, and that she had a snake in the stomach. Okay. So how would a normal psychiatrist or psychologist react to that? You're completely insane. Uh, take this and come yeah. back. Yeah. But Jung understood. He was deep into, you know, the layered versions of this, and he understood that he was. She was referring to the coiled snake. Kundalini, yeah, but she interpreted this this way, you know. That is exactly where the simulacra uh, plays out. You're confusing a symbol for the real thing. That's what I said before. The real thing by, you know, what that is representing, not its representation. So that is what happens with people that are suffering from an illness that is yet to be interpreted. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, there is a movie called The Matrix, everybody knows about that, and it's right. a bit over-referenced perhaps, but would you say that The Matrix is more or less a documentary? I think, uh, well, it's, um, that's, that's, uh, that's quite a question for me, because I watched that movie in VHS when I was a kid, and that movie, it has to be a movie, in the sense that you need explosions, you need bang-bang, you need yeah. something going on, yeah. but... I think the movie per se is not really a documentary, but it's, um, there are parts of the movie that are a very accurate representation of what is going on, especially when Neo comes back alive from what it was supposed to kill him yeah. and now can see the real thing, yeah. we can say, which is just binary strings of information expressing in different ways. But he just saw it, it's just numbers. Mm. And when you see it that way, you're not lost in that personal history, in that translation to the ego. So it's so easy to control reality, right? He did it one-handed. That is also another reference to how easy it is to play and to enjoy this reality if we can see through it. So in that way, it is an actual representation of it. But I wouldn't call the entire movie a documentary. No. Not the entire thing. No, it was an edgy question. I don't know. No, it wasn't. Because many people talked about it, mm. and I have seen great people talking about it as a documentary, but I always want to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. So it, it's something about my analyzer mind. Mm. 
do, is it possible to cr crack the code, so to speak, by taking psychedelics? Or is that just part of the, the program also? No, no, no. I believe, you know, now they call it entheogens sometimes, but, you know, psychedelics are, we can say, I don't want to recommend it because it is dangerous in the sense that you are, if you break it too hard, the lock, then it is damaged. So, but they have access to something. You can access, we can say shortcut to what really is going on. Mm -hmm. I think it's because of the way they alter the mind. I don't know because, you know, in a neurocognitive way, I don't know if it is that they block it, the mind, mm. or that they alter it in a very particular way that one can see through it. I would say that maybe the mind is asleep because when you take, let's say, for example, a psychedelic, you enter some kind of trance, uh, a subconscious state where everything looks like you're dreaming. It, it doesn't look like you're quite awake. That's exactly how I felt when I was a teenager. So it's almost like my whole life has been a psychedelic trip. You know, without, I, without taking I any. never needed anything because I know exactly how it feels and how deep the mind can go. I think psychedelics ultimately activate what you have in store or the amount of consciousness that you can access to. You can be completely asleep and take as many psychedelics as you want and you will only experience yourself. Yeah. So in a way, I believe... You have to be aware in order to, to get the, the, the right effect from them, so to speak. Yeah, and, and it's like whenever you want to access a higher power, whenever you want to ascend and reach God, there's competition, you know? And you're not calling, how can I say, he's not the only one listening. Mm. And so you must be careful because there's a lot of people with demons and a lot of things chasing them. And I think those things activate either the good things and the bad things. So if like, let's say, a universal access to a higher consciousness is possible, then it means that all the things can go with you. So I believe psychedelics are fascinating, but one must be extremely careful with them. And by extremely, I mean extremely. Mm. Because there's a certain patterns of the mind that if you crack them too hard, then it's like the mind cannot go back. Okay, you get lost. You get lost. I think a lot of people experience that when they took ayahuasca. Yeah. And you have either very positive experiences and very negative experiences because I believe that I don't want to access to duality. I don't want to use duality, but I believe there, there is the light and there is the darkness. I'm a firm believer of that. And I would define as light as, a, as an opening, as a darkness, as an opposing force mm -hmm. to that. So I believe that there's an opposition every time one, try, one tries to get to a higher consciousness. And as Jung said, I'm always, if there's a psychologist that I've studied, it, it's him. Yeah, I, I love Carl Gustav Jung as well. I mean, yeah. It's fascinating. He said, uh, beware of unearned wisdom. That is exactly what happens with psychedelics. Yeah. It's like the wisdom you achieve and you obtain, it is too much for your, let's say, personal development uh -huh. to take in. 
to absorb. Okay. So let's say you take psychedelics and there's a waterfall of wisdom and then you can just take a tiny drop of it and that's it. Mm. And that tiny drop can make you crazy because you are just not ready to receive what is coming. Yeah, You cannot handle it mm. in other ways. So that is me replying to you that it is in a way a way to access it but it is in in many other ways a way to go back if you're not ready mm. makes sense what's happened to the what what has happened to the the code or the program when when children remember past lives i i know you, we were talking about before mm. that you don't really refer to what people experience in those in that context as as past lives or so but uh, what, what no, do you I think, think what, what do you think is going on when when you have these evidence of children remembering past lives and even and also these near-death experiencers who yeah. you know yeah. about of course there are so many stories now there's so many stories and i i take that very seriously i mean i take past lives very very seriously but i think sometimes they get confused and and, and you must address these things very carefully and i believe that you know if consciousness is expressing in a way then separation for consciousness is going to always be illusory and so if one goes back to consciousness it does not go back to the consciousness that was being manifested and expressed but it goes out to the universal let's say fountain the the, the source yeah. goes back to the source and by going back to the source you can access many other things not just yours as your contained experience but many others that left that in the source okay and so but we have this pinhole illusion that we are experiencing us but it is us experiencing that higher consciousness yeah. state and so by by ending the experiencer the consciousness goes back to the source and if one has a higher state enough to do that then one can access what that consciousness stored in other realms and so experience it again and in many ways those children when you're when you're a kid and i talk about it a lot your consciousness is at an all-time open because it's not being rewritten by this simulacra the mm -hmm. programs and everything so before anybody calls the kid crazy they have this feeling that something happened before i was expressed in this contained experience which has a design and a purpose so yeah it, it's very interesting it's, it's a little bit like the way bernardo kastrup and donald hoffman and people like that i don't know if you're familiar with those no, uh, not no those. donald hoffman is a neuroscientist who's, who is um developing this idea of that we are living in uh, this is this is the the, the desk, desktop icon version that we are seeing now and, and that the baseline rea reality mm. is something else and yeah and also bernardo kastrup who is a computer scientist and become a philosopher and he also I think he says that he's or I know that he he refers to himself as an idealist that's the philosophical uh, yeah yeah variety you know to be an idealist and they also say that consciousness is primary and matter is kind of comes from consciousness so, so matter is just not really the thing and and he says and he he often Bernardo Castro then he um, he refers to 
to our life here as, as, a, as a stream and we are whirlpools in the stream. So we are all made from the same stuff, so to speak, but mm. we are whirlpools. And, and he also says that when people have near-death experiences or, or like remembering past lives, they are, you're kind of touching on some other whirlpool close to you. Mm. So you're, you're getting access to that. That's, that's that that part of consciousness, which it's all the same consciousness, but it's it's kind of a condensed and, yeah. and it's like waves on the ocean or whirlpools in a stream. It's yeah. like and and you can you can kind of uh, bump into those other access to them. Act, to get access to those other whirlpools sometimes, and that's as you say maybe yeah. when people confuse that for being my my previous life or mm. my past life, but it's not that. It's it's something different. That's why. That's why before I said that one must be careful with it because if we tap into these old past lives a lot, then we get lost in translation and we start to think everything is a past life. Yeah. But it just calls my attention now when something deep is referenced. It's always water. Even the Taoists they use water a lot. Right. Yeah. And this water pools is a very interesting way to put it. I used. The the terms spheres of consciousness that you can tap into it um, there's a everywhere you go there's a particular sphere of consciousness and inside of it everything is related mm -hmm. and so the deeper you're into it the more you will connect to other people in Spain there's a sphere of consciousness that only relates to the people that lived here in a certain year in a certain age that it's almost like an earthy sort of feeling mm -hmm. and uh, it smells like burnt wood. It does. Uh, it, it has an earthy feel to it. This country. Right. I love this country, but it's it's uh, it's, it's interesting too earthy, that you say that because it's it's true. And so, it always as opposed to like France, Italy. They, as opposed they have to some France, Italy, different kind of it, it, feel to it. It goes back to the elements. So, for example, I speak with uh, Latin Americans a lot, and they always describe Spanish people as lacking flow. And so, like, they need, and this, I translate you literally, and it was just a, a clerk in a store, in a, in a clothing store, and said that they need fire. Uh -huh. You see? Yeah. So, like, we're talking about the earth, which needs fire. So, it's always the balancing of the elements here. Mm -hmm. We can touch on the alchemy, but you know how it works, that we are expressed in certain spheres of consciousness or certain manifestations of something. Mm. And, you know, you could smell it too, you could see it too, the earth. And I didn't say anything to you. You 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 knew it from before. I said it to you. And if you go to another country, there's another sphere of consciousness. Mm. Of course, there's other spheres around it. Sometimes mm. even bigger or smaller. Mm. But the main one is the one that is going to allow you to communicate with others freely, and to be, let's say, um, as low profile as possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mental illness could be something that is not within that sphere of consciousness. Mm. That it is such a small. You can say water pool, or you can say sphere, mm. that is just so unable to understand it mm. that they don't see it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you take a New Yorker, it's completely say normal New Yorker, yeah. and put him or her in, in, a, in an indigenous culture in the Amazon. Yeah. That person, I mean, the New Yorker would be considered crazy, of course. Very crazy, and uh, that is almost like uh, that is God, just like uh, you know, mixing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That yeah. is why it's so interesting to realize uh, what sphere of consciousness are you into, mm -hmm. because, like, unless you willingly refuse your program and you just reject the mind and leave your mind 
uh, you live your life as uh, what you can call enlightened person, you're always going to be contained somewhere. Mm. And you can prove that going by another country. You're run by your own programming and you cannot relate to the people there. Mm. What do you, why, why is it that is the sphere of consciousness that you have been born in and where you are contained? So breaking through that is very important. But as you said, and as the theories of this um, computer scientist mm -hmm. that you mentioned Bernardo before, Castro. Yeah. I think that the illusion of the identity is so strong that we look and we feel more separated from one another. And that's why we are competing instead of collaborating because of that. But when you look at ants, they help each other yeah. all the time. Yeah. Now, you could, actually, you could actually see one, one ant society as one entity almost because yeah. it's, it's, it's like cells working they, in they, a... Like a, like in, a fish tank. It, it just works together like a... Yeah. Like, you know, when, when fish, they behave like a larger prey. So it's more or less like that. And when you look at ants, there's no difference from one to the other. I believe for a higher source, we're exactly the same thing. But we are so confident that, oh, look at this guy dressing this way. He's not me, you know, because I dress this way. Yeah. And so, so I think I hate the microphone. And so that is where the, the illusion plays out. But for a higher consciousness, we're nothing but ants. So in that way, to me, killing an ant is basically like killing another human being. Yeah. Exactly the same. It's just that we are trapped into this. Oh, humans are, you know, the yeah, the pinnacle of, uh, of the evolution. Creme de la creme, yeah. Creme de la creme. Yeah. Um, so you you point you point to your head when you talk about the mind, which <laughs> makes me think about the brain, of course. And I've pondered that yeah. organ a lot and yeah, read yeah. a lot about the what, CPU. How, how people, yeah, how people describe how how thinkers describe the brain. You know that William James in the 1890s already described it, uh, or yeah, described it as a filter mm -hmm. or something like that of of data of information. Yeah, and it's it's uh, I mean filter also in the way that it's, it actually filters out and thank God it information yeah. that we I mean if we would see everything we would be I mean we wouldn't be able to function here in this yeah. physical world. So that's why we have the brain to, to filter it out. Do, do you see it that way as well? Well, I can see it that way in the way that. Um, yeah. It filters and, you know, thanks to it filtering, we don't go completely nuts. Yeah. And I believe that is also, like, as I said, and going back to the programs, a way to be sustainable. Um, it's like, um, it filters because any program, anything that works with binary digits, we always select or we always have a certain capacity. So perhaps it is not that the function of the brain it is to filter, but that the brain filters because it can only gather so much, you know? Yeah. It's almost like uh, the, the RAM, you know, I, I talk about the RAM. It has a very limited CPU capacity. And the RAM like in rapid eye movement? No? No, Not like that. random access memory. I see, RAM, okay, in, sorry. RAM. Yeah. R-A-M. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you have a very limited capacity, then the other things, then just they don't see it. I think we were talking before that all these people walking in the street, they're not really seeing the street. They're not observing because, as I say, wherever your attention goes, there's your master. Whenever you put your attention, you will find more and more of those things. Mm. It weaves. Mm. And so in that way, information is filtered 
because it must build a self-sustainable program, yeah. like a self-touring machine. Yeah. And you can only carry out so much information and you must select, you know, you cannot be, let's say, and I'm not challenging anyone, but you cannot be the best chef and be the best chess player. I don't think it works that way. Have you seen someone that is a grandmaster of chess and then it cooks the best dishes in the world? Well, Have I, you? I, I would be sure, but, but, but you're probably right. You're probably right. What yeah. I mean is that it can happen, of course. You know, mm. I may even start a challenge, but what I mean is that you cannot um, access to everything. You must filter it out because the program works by a certain set of instructions. Mm. Uh, you're going to break the computer if you give it something that is not designed to, to gather. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we already talked about the purpose and, and, uh, and all that, but uh, is, and before the interview also we talked about the, the so-called background people that uh, sometimes yeah. mentioned. It's kind of a, an eerie term there, but are some people privy to the game, as it were, you know, that they're privy? into the game? They, yeah, they know about it. They know what's going on and they are kind of... Uh, uh, masters of the game where they are not masters of the game but they are yeah they they know what's going on mm -hmm. uh, but not in an in an ascended way but in a you yeah. know in, in an ascended way I believe that you wouldn't call yourself a master of the game mm -hmm. because master of something means that you're attached to it yeah. because you're controlling it I believe that somebody who really transcended they they don't control it they, because they know that the further they control it the more attached they're gonna be to it and there's something to control. Yeah. Perhaps something that really transcended feels like there's nothing to control because that is a creation of the mind. And so the mind is always a control freak, mm. always trying to control everything. Yeah. I don't know if that addresses your question. Yeah, you, you, well, were, you were going another way. Maybe, yeah, I, because I, I, was asked, I was wondering if there are some people who are... That have it easier in life? No, but... Uh, this is kind of a, it's, it's, most people would say that it's a conspiracy theory or whatever. I, mean, I like I like those. Yeah, you know they talk about the Illuminati and the the people who are all right controlling others uh, and 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 having this facade of being being uh, you know yeah in in control and, and uh, wanting the best for everybody and I mean people say that some of the politicians and some of the powers that be they are mm. that kind of people you know that are privy to the game because they know the game and they're they're into it and they're mm. not in it for I mean they don't want to they don't want to reveal what's actually going on yeah. because they they thrive from being in that space and and, and, and being you know having having power mm. maybe they're not conscious of it even but but they are there and then there are other people I guess the majority who are just you know uh, victims quote unquote uh, of this uh, program that is run hmm. now, now you yeah, understand I, my question better, better of maybe. course yeah. of course I get you well yeah. you know uh, these people so to speak I think they must love those terms you know because mm. they always make it anonymous mm. but to say that there's nobody you know in Spanish we have a term, we have a, a saying we have an expression which is to to have the frying pan by it by the um, how you call it, where you grab it, the handle, to have the to get the frying, frying pan, pan by, by the, the handle. handle, and then so of course these people who have this because, yeah. and but but these people are not to blame in, in a way that 
consciousness that is dormant, it is to blame for allowing this to happen. Mm. It's, it's just like, it's, um, it's an act of, of acknowledging it and not going with it. Powers that be, or whatever mm. word it is, what power do you have if people woke up and is conscious mm. and give the middle finger to your silly little rules and your your nothingness, mm. nothing. Mm. And so the powers that you say are just people just squeezing that other states of consciousness mm-hmm. that are at the bottom, at the lowest. Yeah, just like. Um, like rats in a maze, right? So who's the rat master? And who's the rat? Because I believe there's differences between, you know, human beings, we can say that word, and, and rats or apes or, or things that are so basically functioning that mm-hmm. they don't question the world around them. Yeah. So they give power to an infrastructure that has been controlling things from a long time ago. Yeah. But it's just like, it, it's, it's family related. It's fathers and sisters and all that, and you cannot call it out because within the same infrastructure that they created, you're 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 in to lose. Yeah, history yeah. proves that. Mm. So um, these people that are in power, they are also yeah. trapped in the. In, I, I believe in the sim- simulacrum. To me, honestly, I believe there's nobody more basic than those people. Yeah, yeah. it's just so basic, but it precisely because they're basic mm. and evil they can take those positions. Yes. You don't get to be complex and, and, and really spiritual and all that mm. and then get to be the puppeteer. Mm. You don't get it's, that. It's, it's a catch-22, I find that many times because many, many wise people and people who, people who you, you would really want to be running the country, they don't want to do that because they, they realize that I, can't, I, I don't want to be in the, uh, at, at the top of that system because that system is flawed and... And I don't want to hurt other people, yeah. so I don't. I want to be the boss. I don't want to be the boss. I just want to be here. Like I mean, there there are a few exceptions. I don't. I don't know. Václav Havel comes across as a person who might. I mean, is it a politician or something? You know, the, yeah, Czech president. He was a mm. writer, playwright, and a writer. Mm. He was very wise. Sometimes you get this particular kind of people mm. that they try to do something, but whoever is from a higher state of consciousness, they realize I have no business. Um, telling all this lower consciousness what to do because exactly. it feels wrong, doesn't it? It feels wrong. It feels like yeah. you're taking advantage of a handicapped person. Yeah. Who want who want to do that? No, no you, you're, you're lowering yourself and your own vibration exactly. by doing that. You must that. work at the same level. So whoever is vibrating so high, they say, I want to vibrate my own rhythm. Mm. You know, I want to be here and stay here. Mm. Why do I have to go back to the mud mm. to tell all these people what to do? Mm. Let them... Let them yeah, let tell them themselves. themselves. <laughs> tell no, them. let them tell themselves what to do and and and, yeah. and to express themselves. Yeah. And all these politicians, people with a high socioeconomical status, most of the times, if you get to know them, they're the most empty, just um, uh, tasteless kind of people yeah. ever. Yeah. That's exactly why they're there. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly why. Yeah, it's so. It's so crazy that people have this respect for these famous and people and people in high positions just because they're there. Uh, so they can just say anything and people are just oh, Yeah, so that's impressed. where we go to, we enter in NPC territory, right? Automata. Yeah. Just like uh, I call that non-interactive programs. So 
it's like they react, but they don't interact. Mm. They just react, but, but in a very unconscious way. Yeah. Like there has been elections in Spain quite two days ago. Yeah, I realized that. This like, it just blows my mind away how all these people, you know, hang there in those, those frames and everything <laughs> on the on the posts and, and, and their street lamps. Somebody would vote for them. It's just like so average. It's is an average Joe. <laughs> yeah. Vote for average Joe. Yeah. You know, and maybe yeah. maybe you get to have a better life. And average Joe then relates to the other parties. Mm. They think they have the illusion that oh, this party and this party they're so different. Mm. You know, I have the I have to, I have to choose. I can choose. But that is one of the best strategies to control yeah. the um, the herd to give them. Give them freedom yeah, of choice. Illusory choice, yeah. Yeah, you can you can go so many ways, but they all lead to the slaughterhouse. You have these two choices, left or right. Yeah. Now make the choice. Oh, it's so important. What should I yeah. choose, left or right? And right. then it's like, it's neither. It's because they're basically they the end, same. I mean, they, they, they just like go five paths and they, they all end in the same one. Yeah, yeah. The slaughterhouse. I mean, I yeah. I've been, Basically, I've been around for for many decades now, and I've seen many elections, and I've seen many governments in my country and in other countries. And I can see that I mean, more and more, I can see that it's basically the same the same structure. I mean, it's a little bit same more crap. tax, less tax. I mean, it's the same. It's like they're just um, uh, keeping up the system uh, in a way. And I have a, a harder and harder time. Uh, mustering the uh, the energy or the uh, enthusiasm to actually go to vote uh, I, I, I I've always voted so far but I'm I don't know if I'm gonna do it anymore because just it's, time to, it's time to stop it's time to stop I think yeah it's time to stop in the sense that um, if people could think and uh, just imagine nobody votes mm. imagine yeah. it just for yeah. one time that would be so nobody amazing, votes you, you know what would happen they would be scratching you know the walls and, and just biting their lips like yeah. they're not buying it yeah they're, they're, not, not, buying it. they're what, not buying what it. should we do now <laughs> how can we fool them uh, I, I don't know just uh, yeah. this guy is enlightened right just mm. speak oh no i don't want to speak yeah yeah so yeah. what would happen is that you would stop giving power to this infrastructure that is where the attention goes to and then <clears throat> you can compare okay one guy votes to 48 the other votes party B. How do they end? Mm. What is the end of their lives? Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. But oh, I, I went right, you went left. Because I, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I chose right and you chose left. Yeah. You see, we're not the same. And then you get to the and end. they are the same and the differences, the differences are so small and it's, yeah, it's crazy. You get to the end then. And that's it. And then... Oh my God, I died. Although I voted for the right party. I still died. <laughs> yeah, can't believe you did this to me, God. Yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, didn't did did I not vote for the one that was righteous? Exactly. And I even went to church. So, in God would be like, I didn't even put those people in there. Yeah, know? yeah. Why did you? Why did you? It's like, why do you go this route? Mm. Why do you? Why do you? Why do you follow the Pied Piper? Mm. Some people, when you tell them this, they would either look up. Because that is going to take them to a wall of uncertainty. People don't want to face that, or they would just uh, malfunction. You know, 
that is why it's so scary. And I promise you, streets are run by by non-interactive programs. I don't know at what point they started the, not as a tabula rasa, of course, but a, as a very creative baby with a lot of powers, and they end up just like a like a little sheet of paper or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely cruel, don't you think? Yeah, and evil to yeah. do that to consciousness. And that is to me what darkness is, or what the let's say I don't want to use the word evil you know, mm. or get lost in demons. But darkness but that's, is so, needed for us to see light as well, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, it's the yin and yang. Yeah, let's go back to that dream where Young was holding that torch in the cave. The brighter the light, the darker the shadow. Exactly. But what I mean is that that is very cruel when the the darkness eats up every possible light. Mm -hmm. There's no harmony whatsoever, mm. and there's a disbalance. Mm. But you know. But you know, just one match can light up a, a completely dark cave. Exactly. But darkness cannot cannot uh, devour light in the same way. Exactly, because darkness... It's more, it's, it's more difficult for darkness to take over sunlight. Darkness instance. doesn't exist, so to speak. Yeah. It is no, the it's, absence. it's negation of light. It's it is the absence, absence of... Exactly. That is why yeah. um, I define as a darkness or a, a dark force to be a closing, an opposition, and a light or a creative force to be an opening. Yeah. It's just like they play together, but it feels like something macabre going on there. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about that and talking about these politicians and powers that <laughs> that we mentioned and touched on here, and time, which doesn't exist, but we still uh, perceive it as, as such. Do you think that we now, meaning, I mean, last couple of decades, maybe, and a couple of decades to come? are living in crucial times compared to how it used to be. I, I often I often say, for instance, that we these times are special because we are the whole planet is integrating or the humanity is integrating for the first time because mm. of communication and uh, yeah. technology, which mm. was not the case when I mean uh, ancient empires rose and fell uh, they could do that without people on the other side of the world knowing anything. But, yeah. but, but yeah. in these times, we know everything that's happening all the time. So I, I tend to say that, think that that is something that makes this time special. But what, what are your, mm. your thoughts on, on these times that we're living in? I believe, well, I know that in many terms, I mean, if I could, if I could summarize it, it is the ascension of Christ at this very same moment because there's like a, it works in cycles you know sometimes when the cycle it, it, it's just closing too hard like it has been happening consciousness always finds a way out to express and manifest and in many ways to protect itself from what it used to be uh, this is happening um, we're both men so this is happening with masculinity a lot Mm. and with what masculinity used to represent um, because these agendas try to censor we as, 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 as men what we can do and what we are capable of there's a lot of young people I'm not saying people who live there but young people who are now referencing to the Greeks to Sparta yeah. because consciousness is going back and says I won't be blocked I won't be 
And so through those particular experiences and through those particular temples and bodies, consciousness is emerging and defending what it used to be. Because there's no way you can wipe out consciousness. You can try, but it doesn't work that way. Mm. There's a, it's almost like a spring. And it, would, it can happen to anybody when they're in a, very, in a situation where something is in danger. Mm. It just springs back, comes back. What humanity experienced this last years is one of the darkest things that you could throw at them. But because we've been experiencing this darkness again and again and again, what you mention as the powers that be, or whoever uh, lunatic and puppeteer is in control, they know people won't react. So they do it again, and they do it again. But what happens is that through very particular expressions like yourself, consciousness arises and finds a way to always take back what was and to fight what was not and what in many ways is not supposed to arise and is supposed to be cut like a like a rotten root that it is to just be cut before okay. it grows it grows, grows green again yeah in that way i believe it's absolutely crucial yeah and people must i don't want to tell people what to do but they must be aware now, yeah. if they are capable, mm -hmm. that this, or what I said, the darkest times of mm -hmm. ever, yeah. is just another, another cycle. People could have reacted, I don't know, in times of 9-11. Uh, they could have reacted and yeah. say, this is the darkest it happened to us. Mm. Look at all that's behind. Mm. They complain, yeah. but eventually humanity and consciousness is so divided that we find no way to unite we find no way to fight back because we're too busy competing against each other and so that went back got buried right yeah. and so now even people is forgetting about it what happened in this 2020 perfect vision whatever yeah. you want to call yeah. it yeah. is another expression of what yeah. was buried they do it again mm -hmm. and so something happens people turn to, to higher states of consciousness and they, like yourself, realize, I must explore now. Yeah. I, I won't go further this way. But you, you do, would you say that you're hopeful or is that a word that you oh, wouldn't hope. use? I, know, I don't like that word. I, uh, just, uh, I suspected that. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, hope makes the, your program spinning. You know, as we said, it's like reward, suffering, yeah, and we pain. we were talking about happiness, for instance. Hope, what do you hope for? Yeah. What is the hope? Mm. It's like a, a little bit of a, of a cliff there. You hope for something, then be ready not to receive it mm. in the way that that is desire, right? Mm. Mm. Hoping for something, your desire for something. If you really have hope, first of all, you never refer to that term right and then you don't hope something because a real hope is always being that state of receiving and knowing that uh this if you are in tune with the right things is taken care of mm. if you're in tune with the right things and in that way there's nothing to hope you know i hope that you don't you know if i really hope this is not going to make sense but i don't hope yeah. i think i understand what you mean i mean after having heard you explain your, your yeah. view on life. I, I know that it's not a negative thing. It's just 
more like a neutral thing or a exactly you talk just before about being centered right yeah it, it is something like that um if you have hope then you know you're in the negative mm -hmm. and you want to go towards the positive mm -hmm. so what's going it's to polarization. go you're going to crash yeah. you're going to crash anytime soon so but you know it's very normal to use these words in a common scenario in everyday life you know people use these words a lot yeah. this related with happiness perhaps yeah. i hope this new flavor comes out yeah uh, so, uh, where where can people find more, find out more about you and and your work, if it's possible? You you have this book, the Spider Web. Yeah. Do you have a website? I have which a website. People can visit. Yeah. I have only one website, but no social media at all. So the only way to access uh, is through this, my website, which is Machine Code Theory. Machine Code Theory. Yeah, that is, that is the essence of of the theory that that I'm investigating and designing yeah yeah and that is the, i believe the only way okay and the book is there and everything is there yeah i will and it's in english Are the you book yeah translate it in other, into other languages? no the book is published in english only yeah. and uh further translations are on the way and you know depending on how it goes i plan to publish a press version translate it and do things with it yeah but right now it's some it's like a it's like an exoskeleton of it, you know. It's it's an it's a an electronic book. Okay. Yeah. So, um, are are there any more books in in the works? Do you think you're gonna write a, yeah. a sequel or? I hope I hope many more. This is yeah. basically an introduction. Yeah. It's uh, a one-on-one introduction to the computational algorithms and how the mind weaves until one is trapped in in the web and cannot go out but it's merely an introduction yeah so the spider web people alex thank you very much for you. taking your time to talk to thank me on mind the shift and good luck with your thank continued you revelation of the simulacrum thank you